Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Hello and welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Now today we have got part of a mini-series and this mini-series is based on a conversation that myself and David Holland had. Now those of you that know Dave will know that he's my personal coach and we've been friends and associates for a long time. Now we had a chat for our podcast but you know what this chat ended up being over three hours. So we've extracted the very best bits and carved them up into a mini-series so that you can take away bite-sized information as if you are a fly on the wall of this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Please do subscribe and leave a review if you do. And I can't wait to speak to you again in series two. Hello everyone and welcome back to this mini series of me and Dave just having general conversations. If you haven't heard them so far, um, I need to ask why on earth not? Um, I would strongly suggest that you go back and listen to them. We, you know, we've covered all sorts of things. We've covered online marketing, we've covered offline marketing, we've covered networking, we've covered presentation skills. You know, we've had some real fun just discussing the subjects of the day. And I think it's really important that you bear that in mind with these episodes. You're not listening to an interview because, quite frankly, if I'd interviewed Dave six times already, I wouldn't be very motivated to interview him a second, <laughs> seventh time. Um, but instead, you're just getting an insight into us having a very general chat about a business area and sharing our expertise, having both dealt with thousands of businesses before. Um, our expertise gained from our own businesses, from our clients' businesses, and hopefully some fun along the way as well. Um, now... Dave and I have come up with a list of subjects, but my laptop is closed, so I'm going to come up with a curveball one, which we are both completely unprepared for, um, but I believe we both know more than enough about, and that's scaling up a business. Um, you know, how businesses scale, what works, what doesn't work, um, the great things we've seen, the disasters we've seen, and to try and extract from that some practical tips. Um, so, Dave, I think... Um, from your perspective, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? No, I can shoot and <laughs> drop it on me from the great heights. I like that. I thought we were talking about something else, but that's all good fun. You see, so. you see I'm, I, I actually find this stuff really easy, guys. Um, for me, I have um, some very simple um, models that I use for various areas. So scaling's one of them. I've got a model that I'm just going to cut and paste and put in here. Um, so Dave, I'll let you cut and paste your model first. <laughs> Scalability. Well, I think, I, I think again, do what you do, what I do. We see this challenge a lot. Um, I think one of the things, that, first of all, that prevents scalability is the owners or the founders not getting out of the way. Yes. They, they, they stay put as the hub of the wheel. They stay in control. They don't delegate. They, they think they do, but they don't. They, they keep contact with all the clients. They manage everybody. And that itself becomes a, a barrier mm. to, to scalability. Mm. So that's one of the first thing. It's the structural um, sure. thing within, within the organization. Um, and the second one, I think, not on the top of my head, um, from scalability is, is why? Why do they want to do it? You know, growing a business for the sake of growing a business, it's all good fun. But really, I think you need to know what does the end game yes. look like? Scaling it to do what? To sell it, to grow it, to internationally, to franchise it. You can do all sorts of things. You can make a global business highly scaled, but if you if you finish the journey, then you don't know why you've done it. Then the, the sort of fun goes. So out. We're, we're, all, we're on the same wavelength with this. And by the way, Dave, I'll let you choose the next topic. How, how does that work? <laughs> yes. So you could. <laughs> 
so you could you could chuck me in at the deep end like i just have done to you um i mean my my cut and paste model here um i, I always talk about the four pillars of scaling which is um underpinned by the vision mm -hmm. so that sits very well with you but but then from a practical side of things i look at the four areas that the businesses need to get right so the first one is their financial model mm -hmm. you know how do they fund the scaling are they funding it through cash flow is it equity finance debt finance etc etc mm -hmm. um the next one is the growth model mm -hmm. so you know we look at how it's funded but actually how are we going to do it are we going to grow organically or are we going to license franchise acquire etc etc um, the management model, you know, how are we going to create a management team and then replicate that management team, um, you know, across, first of all, across the business, but then across different locations, different functions, um, and then the leadership model, which I think goes into your piece about delegation, so which probably yeah, where we'll so. stick. Yeah. Um, so the leadership model, how do I replace myself within the business? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I create a leadership team? And if I was to look with hindsight at my journey of scaling, mm -hmm. I think that I believed I'd created a leadership team in the past when, no, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to correct that. I think that at the very, very start, I believed I'd created a management team where actually all I'd done was um, given job titles to some very experienced technicians. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So we promoted some people and you know, some good, some bad, as, as is always the case. Sure. But we didn't give them the skills, the knowledge or... or, or the autonomy to be able to manage properly. So, yeah, if I was to be brutally honest with myself, I made the mistake a few times of trying to run before I could walk mm -hmm. in far as setting up a management structure. Um, I did the same with leadership, and I think we've got it right now. Um, however, you know, lead, we presumed that management equaled leadership and vice versa, which intellectually I knew was wrong. Um, but emotionally, I really believed that by virtue of being a manager and having been on management training, you would have that personal leadership that, yes. that an entrepreneur <laughs> Two has. Two very different. Well, they, they really are, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, t tell me more about um, management versus leadership. Though. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the book, and I refer and to... And that was on the list. It so was, exactly. We're okay it. now. I'm back in my comfort zone now. <laughs> That's we're okay. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a little segue there back to... Uh, it's interesting. I know I spoke about this earlier on, um, the uh, book Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, and it is, it is fabulous. I'm going to do him um, a video uh, testimony I've put on Twitter for him Fantastic. as well. Fantastic. So, great. So, anyway, all good. One of the phrases that I highlighted, I don't do that in books very often, I actually highlighted it in the book, and he said, I'm going to hopefully paraphrase this correctly, he said, managers are very good at measuring people, but not good at understanding people. And I think that's the difference between management and leadership. I think sure. Managers are good at measuring KPIs and structure performance and all that sort of thing, but leaders need to understand the motivation, the the why, the purpose, the passion, and the emotional context. And it comes back to another program we're doing for another organization in Lux, where I found an article by a guy called um, Karl Popper, who in 1927 did a paper, and he called it um, On Clouds and Clocks. And what okay. he said was, we treat people like clocks. They are you know, regular. You wind them up and they go, predictable, consistent. And of course, people aren't like that. They're like clouds. Yes. They're sort of more, uh, they disappear, they arrive. You know, we treat people like clouds. So leaders understand that people are clouds, not clocks. I think leaders understand that they have to lead, motivate, inspire, not just measure. And that's one of the differences. But I think the challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, is they do this naturally. 
some of them, not all of them, they lead and they manage, they can do both. But when they hire people as their team to grow, rather than hire leaders, they hire managers. And therefore, they have lots of people who are bean counting and doing KPIs and structure, but the vision and the mission and the, the, the culture of the organization gets lost and they get sucked back into it. And I think it's really important to hire leaders as well as managers. You need both, but you've got you to have a leader out there as well. And, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because it brings us back to the Gerber philosophy of entrepreneur, manager, technician, or the... Um, what he ripped it off of. I, I, I don't know which um, management theorist came up with it, but strategic, tactical, operational. Um, you know, however we want to phrase this, um, you've got those who are um, driving the buses, those who design the timetables, and those who own the bus company. Um, so, so you've got the three different aspects. Um, the challenge for scalable businesses, as, as you say, is identifying uh, as an entrepreneur, um, and I, say, I use that word loosely because I don't want to confuse it with Michael Gerber's definition of entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a business owner, actually, if I say as a business owner, you need to truly understand where you sit in that yeah. and then find the right people. First of all, in the early days, so before you're scaling, you find the right people to support you. Yeah. But then it's about turning that dial and finding the right people to replace you. Absolutely. And that bit's the really difficult bit because it hits it hits us quite hard in the stomach when we have to really come up against making ourselves redundant, um, doing ourselves out of that safe nine to five that we're brought up to, to aim for, um, doing ourselves out of a career that we've trained for, um, doing ourselves out of that nice safe job. Um, and that, as, as a business owner, is really quite difficult to do. Um, you add that to the other phrases that we hear, you know, things like, if you want a job done, do it yourself. Um, And it sets us up for failure from day one, doesn't it? Exactly right. I think a lot of people, they business owners, I deal with work and deal with them day in, day out, as you do. And I think that some don't want to scale their business, and that's absolutely fine. They love what they do. They are artisans or designers, fantastic. A lot of other people, they, they do want to scale their business, or they think they do, and they say to them, go, what does this scale business look like? Well, it'll run when I'm not there. I can be on holiday on my yacht in you know, Monaco and all this sort of thing. It doesn't work like that, does it? But it, it doesn't work like that. And it's that really, but, but when they get to that point, as you said, because our identity as business owner entrepreneurs is, our identity is business owner. And if we can go and sit on a yacht in Monaco and run our business remotely, our identity has to shift. Yes. And we don't like it. We think we do. It sounds great. The brochure looks fantastic. But we don't want to let go. We have control, trust issues, all this sort of thing. So I think it's the... When you, when you talk to people about scaling a business, some people do make the leap. And I was speaking to one of the guys, actually a, a martial arts client over in the UK, and uh, he's been with us yeah, for some time. He's doing great things. And I said to him... Where did you make the shift? Where did you make the shift, do you think? Because he now, he only goes in the business once or twice a week. He does travel around a lot and all that sort of things. Great. He said, uh, I stopped thinking like a martial artist and started thinking like an entrepreneur. Mm. And I said, great. So that identity shifted as well for him. And so what gave you the... The impetus, where was it? Hoping he was going to tell me it was me, of course, but he wasn't. I said, well, we're going to take all the credit where I can. I said, well, what gave you the shift? And he said, I just decided to put the family first. Okay. And we want to travel, we want to go and do these sort of things. And he, he, he travels a lot, it's fantastic. And when his vision changed, his mindset changed, and then the business changed. Mm. But I think too many people start off with the business first, and they don't change, therefore they hold it back. So yes. I think it starts with the personal vision, goal, family ambition, and then the attitude and the mindset, and then thirdly, 
that's when the business it really does and you've reminded me of something else that was on the list which is goal setting so we will talk about that later <laughs> excellent excellent Do you know um i, I was i was talking in the earlier episode about how i don't plan for presentations and you can see that we've run pretty much two hours worth of podcasts with no planning no exactly. notes, we've no just, notes we've just gone for it um but on that note, so of scaling and the change required in the business owner, so I, I can share very openly that obviously I'm going through this mm. at this moment. Um, you know, we, we've appointed a, um, a functional board within the business, um, which has allowed myself, my business partner to step away. And I've seen firsthand um, things that I perceive would be really easy are actually far more difficult than it looks. And um, yeah, the, the first one, is the change in mindset between being an executive director and being a chairman or non-exec or um, shareholder or however you want to phrase it, but not being not being actively involved in the day to day. One of the biggest challenges and one of the the toughest things is when you know the answer to things because of the years of experience, because of the fact that you've been there, seen it, done it, you've dealt with those people, you know, you know it inside out, and it's. It's almost like second nature. It's for stuff that's um, unconscious competence. And when stuff is done differently to how you would have done it, Mm -hmm. or the decisions reached are different, so it could just be the route to the decision's different. You know, maybe it takes a few meetings rather than a gut feel, or maybe it's the actual end result's different. One of the most challenging things, and I would openly share this with the board, so that's the reason (laughs) we're talking about it on the podcast, um, but I think it's important that everyone knows that it's challenging, is accepting that you cannot influence or change that. Mm. You know, your, your duty is, um, once you've set back, your duty is to serve the new board rather than to um, dictate to them from above. Um, and that's for, um, for want of a better technical phrase, is a head fuck because mm. you're so used to just doing business but actually, you, you feel impotent and you can't, um, you, know, you can't choose what paper clips you buy or whatever. You, you've got to trust other people. And I've, I've set myself a golden rule that I will only get involved if it's a million pound issue. Right. Yeah, Any less than that. And that undermines the hard work over the last however many years to build it to this position. Sure. So, so that's the first thing. But the second thing that's really challenging is the need to please. Because mm. as a business owner, you've... Um, you know, most people have gone through the ranks in some way, whether at the existing business they bought out or at a previous business. And there's always been the need to please, whether it's managers, whether it's directors, whether it's customers. You've always had someone to please. And once you step away from a business, who, who do you please? Mm, you know, um, who, who is who's your stakeholder in your mind? Because we talk about business stakeholders, but we don't often talk about personal stakeholders. And often for employees... Their personal stakeholders from a business perspective is their boss. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to say it's their customers and the suppliers and community, yeah. but actually it's their boss. They want they want to do they want to do enough. They sign the payroll check for Yeah, they want to do enough to get paid at the end of the month and not laid off, but yes. they don't want to do too much. Exactly. Um, maybe, maybe that's a broad boss assumption. But you know, there's one person that's above all others. And as a business owner, once you've stepped away, who who is that person? And for me, I'll be very open. It's it's the functional board, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so so yeah, I've got I've got this board. I need mm-hmm. to demonstrate my value to them as a chairman mm-hmm. and shareholder. Yeah, it's okay. So I found I found that I've worked harder <laughs> since stepping away, not yeah. within business stuff, no, you know, no, not within the operations, um, not within the day to day, not anything that they would be involved in, but 
in terms of the other stuff outside of it, I, I've turned the dial up to 11. Right, okay, interesting. Okay. So, um, so that's an interesting observation from here. Will, will that be the case in six months' time? I really can't answer that because I'm going through that journey. It's, 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 a, it's a journey, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I certainly see where people, their, their ego holds them back because part of the ego, for all of us, and, and rightly so, the ego is... I'm a business owner, I built this, I've got the credibility, I know what I'm doing, and it's that sort of... And if that ego stays in place, then they won't let go anyway to start off. But then the identity, it's that identity shift. It's yes. something that, you know, we, we made the decision, gosh, a little, nearly 20 years ago, what we wanted to do as a, as a family unit, as sure. personal goals. And what I found was that you know, there's, there's, only, there's, there's only five of us in, our, in the whole company, and two of those are dogs, so they're <laughs> Labrador and a Beagle. So there's three of us on the payroll sort of thing. Um, and, and we... I have a job to do to uh, to the family, but my co-shareholders, and that's my responsibility. But I've got to the point now where I, I have a responsibility to the family more than the business. So the yes. business has got to do well, and I love the business. I love what I do. It's great. But my responsibility now is more than the business. It's really the, the family and the journey and the next generation, you know, that sort of thing. And that's a bit of a... So in answer, I think maybe in answer to your question, if your focus is internal still within the business, yes. by definition you're going to be tethered to it. If your vision and your, 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 your responsibility is to the business, but also outside as well, to something, and you mentioned you know, the football club you're doing, yes. that's, that's fantastic, <laughs> that's great, but it gives you another tether outside Absolutely. the business as well. Absolutely, so I, I'm actually going to park that one because I think that goes into the subject we're going to go on um, down the line, okay. which is separate from scaling, um, on goal setting, so that's going to come in, you know, this really is unplanned, so I'm going to say a few episodes <laughs> from now, but I don't know exactly how many episodes. Thank you for listening to The Carl Reader Show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.